Hey, I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, ethos, to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information. How can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? How do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you? If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360 years. Thank you, and remember to 360 yourself. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Good, 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 good. So, um, most people can't see you, but you're actually in your car doing this uh, in the podcast, <laughs> yeah. which I kind of love. I've, I've had be- many people do podcasts in so many different situations and locations, and sometimes they're very, very beautiful, but I've never had a podcast in a car. Oh, we're keeping it real today. We're keeping yeah. it real. You know, I I feel like as um, well that obviously we're in, as, as I mentioned we're in the car because we've got two babies who've just gone to sleep just settled. One's kind of overtired. He's been a bit rattly. The other one, he's been a bit ill last few days. So I just thought, you know what, just to be able to make noise to speak properly without without the fear of my wife like running downstairs like please be quiet. I just thought, you know what, safe bet. Let's just get outside. Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know. I didn't know you had two kids. I thought you had one. I yeah, no, no, I've got two. Two now. Yeah, so I've got a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. Wow. So I all mean, systems they're, going. They're, really. they're not too far apart, and they're still quite young. So I don't know how you have time to do everything. I oh, did. You know. You know what? I I do say this. It's like <laughs> I say this all the time. It make the one of the most amazing things I think about having babies and having babies young is it really puts perspective on work to the point where work doesn't seem that difficult because <laughs> you're really because obviously the intensity of just you know the noise the demands the like the reality of, of of young children which is amazing and full of life and joy and brilliance but it's also silly intense and is the real job and I give so much credit to my wife for being for like working for like the real job because like the, you know we joke about it you know I get to go and have my meetings go to her house have a coffee go get lunch and obviously that it's a job but you know the demands of children is 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 real especially when there's that cat but it's yeah man it's amazing and they're doing really they're doing brilliantly um and it is the best thing now I think to be able to 
you know, I also say this, it's like to go from being in a sort of corporate environment where, you know, your time isn't really your own, but someone else ultimately owns your time to yeah, yeah. being in control of my time for these meant that I can completely sort of shape this job and this, this whole work, working life of mine now around them rather than the other way around, which has been amazing. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Because I, I saw on LinkedIn you uh, like a post about kind of the entrepreneurship and like where and like we, we all have to do these crazy twenty hour sort of at days and you can really like kind of curate the way that you want to live your life and I and I and I read that and I was like this is here's a man who knows what he's talking about because I <laughs> I think the illusion that is twenty hours and you don't see any social person I think that old models died and mm. now p- more people are nicer to each other i believe because that whole kind of mean co-working sort of space and the, to get to the top is sort of died now and also not having a social life and stuff i mean we talk about you, you i mean you have people sort of do those books or those those talks about oh you need to be doing it like 18 hours a day seven days a week and not see friends and family and but then you have like other people like Stephen from uh the the what's it called um Diary of the CEO like I've been to, so, yeah yeah he, he's been talking about talking about like how that was that sort of like the, the the ideology when he was younger but now he's saying actually you don't need to do that and I think there's, there's more opportunity now for people who are listening to, to our conversation now and other people like that is that we don't need to do those sort of things we can actually have like the morning to like really find ourselves and be with our family go for our friends and then really work hard for those four or five hours and really smash it out 100 percent. but also you know i think i think it's for me anyway it's i'll speak for myself it's transitioned into more of an always-on thing where like actually like the job is you know there's always times when you're thinking about stuff but then there should always be times when you don't and when you focus on yourself and I think you know ultimately the best thing you can do for your business is, is focus on you like and for, I'll speak for myself focus on myself that is the best thing I can bring because if I'm not on it 100% if I'm haven't slept if I haven't gone to bed rested because I've been working too late if I haven't you know had that time dealing with nappies and and the boys being like two-year-olds and those you know if I don't get that decompression from the, the the pace of work then and that change of pace if I don't have that switch then I think um yeah it, it means that I'm going to be burning out and over over running and overextending myself so I think it's absolutely essential for me and I think in the last year I've never been happier and I've been more peaceful never been less stressed from a work perspective at all and, and, and at home because of that balance and I think it's yeah, it's a different way of doing it for sure. And it's obviously more militant, but I think it's saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to conform to the expectation that there is a specific way of doing things rather. Okay. What is my life? What is the demands of my wife and my children in relation to my family and keeping things at home stable, therefore keeping me stable, therefore keeping the job stable and, and work flowing well. So I think it's that flow that, yeah, it's taken a minute for sure. Um, and thank, And I think lockdown, you know, of all the, the challenges and the things around it that were difficult many things were deeply difficult of course um one of the things is it forced a a recalibration of work and a recalibration of of priority in life and it definitely did for me and I think you know feeling being in in obviously YMU which is which I love and was my it is like my my I always say it it was my university years it was like you know my crash course in business and in people and everything I loved it 
the challenges and realities of that size business going through a period like we did during lockdown when the business by definition lost a lot of money and had challenges through you know a lot of stock going into live and the live industry capitulating as every company or most companies did the strain that had on the business and therefore all the people in the business and the sort of anxiety and worry and all of that stuff which is real that's just how it goes by definition um you know that was challenging i think from having a baby then, um, a young new baby, that was really hard as well. So I think that was a nice sort of, I guess, ramp up into this this new position, this new role, this new company, um, knowing that I didn't want that again, because that was really difficult. Um, and actually now what's really nice is it's, it's all tailored around my life rather than my life being tailored around my work. Um, yeah, and but I, I think it's there's a difference of when you're sort of an entrepreneur and you have and you are a co-founder or founder of a company, you can shape. But I think people who work for someone else, because your time is not your time, it's someone else's 100%. time. It's so difficult to manage it. And of course, um, leaders and employers will be flexible, but at the end of the day, they need there's a job, right? Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. And you're hundred percent. And that's and that's partly why you know I set up a company in 2017 and you know it was it was like going out completely solo with 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 two others. Um, but it was like, you know, having to to sort of yeah learn how to run a business even on a small scale which was great but I definitely was I think I think the point as, as you said it's you know my time wasn't my time working somewhere else and it never will be but it gave me the seed and the I guess the openness to going back into that world and that and that mindset of being in control of my time again and starting something up um, independently and that's partly why it was so attractive because I knew actually that and again it's just that it's life like if you're working with someone else you have to play by the rules of the company you're in the demands of that business or else you're not doing your job but um with my family with everything else it was it was, it was a real nice sort of setting and bedding for um for something new to start that was independent and was my own um and obviously doing it with two amazing co-founders has been great because it's not lonely either so you get the best of working with people but you also get to have complete control um, yeah yeah so, so what's what so what's your background well, like before we can move move on i'd love to know like where did it all start for you yeah, of course. So, um, so where did it start for me? It start it started, um, when in twenty fifth. Well, well, I guess it started during my time at school. I, I was always, always, um, making brands. I had this thing about obviously the internet and creating online brands and creating just products, entities, things like things with logos and you know that had it had a had an identity and a sense of um of being. Uh, yeah, I was always fascinated with that. I set up um a clothing company called Black Mountain uh, when I was like, tw- was that 15? Uh, I had like a, a film magazine called Lost VHS when I was like 14. I wrote, created a bunch of blogs. I, I, I rapped for a period of time and passed some music. I did loads of different stuff when I was at school. Um, and it sort of set the bedding, I think, for for me wanting to do something creative and something in the brand building space. I think brand building was always the thing that I loved doing and had a, had a real attraction to from a, a I guess, a intellectual and creative perspective and so when I was like 17 I remember I was doing my politics revision and um, a friend of mine Noah he had done work experience when we did it all in year 10 he did it at Vice uh, and he had all these emails and I knew I was like let me just I've applied for uni I've, I've got my my UCAS stuff done but let me just see if there's anything else out there because I really didn't want to go to uni I was just like this is not for me I knew it I knew it I had like a deep-seated sense it was just not going to be good um but uh but yeah and but I thought okay let me just see what else is out there and I knew that of all the companies that I could think of Vice was a company that I was really attracted to I thought they made amazing content it was like 2015 you know they did brilliant things cutting edge um and very creative 
and I didn't know what roles there were. I didn't know what, how the business worked. I knew nothing, but I looked on their site and there was a job called creative. And I thought, okay, that's great. Like that is it. I being creative. What's better than that? Um, and so I said in my head, okay, I wanted to work at Vice as a, as a creative or a junior creative, which I think was the role that was advertised. Um, so I asked now, I said, no, you've got all these emails from all these people at Vice from when you do work experience. Can I have those emails? So he said, yeah, cool. He sent me this forwarded chain. And I then emailed everybody on that list with a, with a an email from me saying, hi, like um, this is who I am, seven. Um, I've done this, 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 and this. I love Vice. I'd love to come in and just have a coffee and learn a bit more about what you do as a business. Um, and I sent it to everyone individually. And I think it was a, a method that worked for me when I was trying to get film screenings and other things. You just blast out like 100 emails you send, you'll get rejected or ignored 98 times, but two times will, will work. So it always happens every single time. So I tried, I employed that tactic and it worked. And two people got back to me. I went in to meet one of them. Um, they then introduced me to Ian, who is a friend of mine now. And um, he was the agent, the head of the agency, the MD, uh, Ian Richardson. So we talked and he, we got on really well. And he said, yeah, come in for do work experience. I said, great. So I did. And um, I did work experience there all through that summer of 2015. Um, and then in 20, that September, I was due to start uni. I did start uni and every, while I was at uni, I was at King's College studying a degree called digital culture, uh, ironically. And every Friday I was working at Vice and it was, it was this weird jump between, you know, the four days, well, four days was really like three, four hours or how many, it was no, you got no time, but how many hours a week doing the degree and then on Fridays doing Vice. And the difference was insane. Like I knew, I learned so much more from that one day than I did in all of the time studying the course. Um, and so that went on until about Christmas. There was a Christmas party and I was there with Ben, another friend of mine, Adam, um, the creative director and uh, associate creative director, I think at the time. Um, and they were, I was, that was kind of my, my two um, there. They were looking after me and, and, learnt, and teaching me a lot. And we were talking and the conversation got on to me basically leaving uni and joining full-time. I was like, uni is awful. I hate it. Um, they were like, look, we'd love to have you. We don't want to annoy your parents, but if you want to come and have a job with us, um, we'd love to take you on. So I said, yeah. So then they offered me a job. I they literally, I was on a Friday, Saturday, email Kings. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I quit. Um, and started there. I was just before Christmas, started advice full-time as a junior creative. And so that job that I saw, um, back in my revision for politics as a yeah started as, as a junior creative and I think I was the youngest one ever to be there I was like must have been 18 at the time um and it was amazing and I loved it uh, but I was there for three months before Ian basically hit me up and said look I've got an opportunity to go work at Lab Bible and set up their agency do you want to come with me and I loved Ian I thought great why not I've obviously been advised for a decent amount of time not a long time but a you know decent time and I thought Ian's amazing. I have nothing to lose. Let's go. Let's do it. So I went over to Lad with him. We set up the agency there um, and built it and, you know, became, he did an amazing job, became a 20, 30 person agency now, turning over, you know, eight figure um, revenue a year and killing it, doing, doing amazingly. Um, but I was there for a year and a half, loved it as a creative strategist, sort of building campaigns, working with brands in, in the agency and helping the channels grow and do their thing. Um, it was amazing. And then uh, but it got to the point again where by the end of that stage, I, was th I said, okay, well, I've, I'm like 19 or 20. I've been doing this for, again, a minute now. I have enough. I thought it was quite naively, but still, I have a number of brands I've worked with. I have a sense of how the game works and how things should go. So um, why don't I set up on my own? So I set up a company uh, called Roundabout, which was a Gen Z agency. It was the first of its kind at the time, aiming to help brands future-proof themselves for Gen Z did that and one of my clients I had about four or five clients did it with two others Michael and, and Stefan um and we got we did really well it worked out brilliantly um it's this little agency model going into companies and helping them one of the clients was James Grant um at obviously now YMU TV talent management company 
and beyond sport, music, and so on, uh, principally TV at the time, looked after incredible clients, everyone from Anton Depp, Holly Willoughby, Philip Scott, but all of TV, really, um, in the UK. Uh, they just made a couple of exciting acquisitions as well in the States, be it Dexter, with Steve Oakey and Blink-182, et cetera. Um, so they were amazing. And I kind of sort of walked into this business um, as this 19, 20-year-old, very sort of traditional, um, but huge, great scale, massive company. And it blew me away because I was re- I realised actually that talent and people were at the epicenter of culture more than any publisher. And having been at publishers, seeing the weight and the, the creative opportunity working with ultimately hundreds of mini media publishers and brands through social, which obviously kicked on properly at that, at that point in 2016, 17 or 2017, even um, I knew that actually that was where the next step for me was going to be. It was the missing piece, but also I think where the most amount of, of creative success could come because ultimately people buy people that don't buy brands and publishers. So being in an, in an entity of people publishers or people brands was really exciting. And so I joined there. I joined YME or James Bond in the beginning of 2018 as their chief creative officer after sitting down with Mary. She was like, look, we, you know, we love what you guys are doing and we love you, but we want more of you, like as much as you can give. And I said, okay, great. Well, let's do it. I spoke to Michael and Stefan. They wanted to go and do other stuff as well. And uh, yeah, the band disbanded, so to speak. And I joined as a chief creative officer at the age of what, 20, I think, um, in 2018. Uh, and I was there for four years, loved it business grew amazingly well we sold to Trilantic for almost 300 million in um 2019 so as part of that whole process learning so much just about how business works and how takeovers work and how private equity works and so on. it was an amazing crash course in, in proper business working at obviously a, a top level um and then obviously COVID happened as I mentioned the company struggled like honestly it did by virtue of all a lot of our stock and a lot of our value was in um live and that went we couldn't do shows we couldn't put on stuff that was the big focus of the business so obviously by definition like there was there were challenges financially that it managed to weather and because of that whole process you know the business had to change it had to become more nimble quicker everything was on hyper hyper speed we had to really work hard to try and um you know obviously recover the 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 losses of what was before covid exceptional profitability in a huge 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 business um and after during covid a lot of that had to go um because of the of the you know taking away of life so it was tricky and i was having my first baby my wife and and that whole process was amazing but also during covid going in from not lockdown to lockdown and adapting and it was it was really it was challenging at times very challenging um as it was for everybody uh but it got planted the seed that okay well look i've been in this for quite a long time and i, I want more freedom um again and look, if something comes up if there's an opportunity i would i'll be open for it uh so then <laughs> i'm getting to the end of this long story but then um i i my friend of mine aaron who i had um made became friends with that one he was in business management he'd gone off to manage some tiktokers i'd always loved what he'd done and his his clients and we'd always gotten really well um and i'd worked with a few of his clients or helping them on creative and stuff and we just yeah we got on really really well um and he met sam sam had, has is the accountant for the side men of all of uk youtube um we all got together and realized there's an opportunity to speak to the boys and to say and to almost take the learnings that i'd had at YME around ip creative strategy my learnings at lab my learnings advice and coming to them and saying look you guys are the number one in the space by a country mile um but there's so much more you can do you've been killing the content side it's going incredibly well but ultimately you know this that's one portion of what should be a massive massive uh ultimately media enterprise and, and empire um so we said to them look what do you guys want to do how can we help you do it they said here's a bunch of stuff we'd love to do we presented a big strategy they liked it 
And they said, yeah, let's go for it. Manage us. So we jumped in and started managing them. We've been doing it now for a year. Um, it's been amazing. We launched three brands, Side Plus and Membership Club um, for the boys, Sides, Fried Chicken, Restaurant Chain, and then XX Vodka, all of which are doing really well. And we've got a bunch more stuff coming. I think that's about it. That was a really long story, but <laughs> somewhat Love it, though. But the, the thing is, what was the sort of driving point to leave a big company and go do it on your own? Because I think... A lot, I lot, I hear from a lot of people that the the fear of sometimes regret, um, out there, like regret not doing your own thing because people mm. to be in a stable sort of environment. But like, what was I mean? But I think a lot of people, of of course, I think COVID was really a big push for most people to have more time in their hands for what they wanted to do. But also, what's their priority as well? Like, not everyone. What I, I think more people especially as well with Web3 and, and NFTs, but I think more people built companies out of COVID than they probably have in the last 10 years. 100%. Well, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, well, yeah, reflecting on it was that like me, Aaron and Sam, Aaron lives in Milton Keynes, Sam lives in Brighton, I live in London. We, we didn't actually meet, obviously me and Aaron spent a lot of time together before, but we didn't actually meet. I hadn't met Sam until oh, like, really? we set up the company and done it all in person. It was all through Zoom, right? So that was the thing. We The barriers are broken down as to how I think you can set up a company, how you can do things. So it made it quite easy just to get on with it um, because, you know, I guess you, you didn't have the choice. And I think, yeah, it, it pushes when there's, whenever people are forced into positions or, you know, things are taken away, it cha- it kind of forces creativity by, again, by definition, because you're pushed into certain corners or you're pushed into limitations. You, you, your life is is squeezed. There's, there's change and that change is ultimately space um, for ideas. And I think, yeah, a lot of people came up with some brilliant concepts during COVID. I know a number of businesses that flourished under it, um, you know, as a result of COVID, not, you know, through the change, but people who come up with these businesses and just going for it. Um, and I think also a lot of time, you know, in, in YME, for example, we came up with so many concepts and ideas that we could just do, we could just get going with, um, because we had, again, we had to, we had to use the tools at our disposal online. And, and that I thought, think taught a lot of people how to just create from the internet as much as anything else and just get on with stuff. So yeah. Um, it definitely had that for us. And we were all there. You know, again, I hadn't met Sam until I remember the first time I met Sam was at, at the Strand. I think it was, at, yeah, I think it actually was at the Strand, um, 180 Strand, in, oh, when we had our one of our first meetings, um, maybe in like May or June. And we set this up in, in March. We, we launched and everything else. It must have been two, three months after. And I'd obviously been speaking to him for about six months, five, six months. So, but we didn't need to. We didn't need to. Isn't it funny how like business is now like done over Zoom now and you don't need to like be in physical contact with anyone. And I think even just like the ideas of like people doing these avatars and metaverse or virtual virtual showrooms where they have conferences in those sort of things, but they've never met these people. I think we're, <laughs> we're such in a weird, amazing space and time at present that we have so much connectivity, but we're not physically sometimes always there, but you can set a business for someone if you've never met them before. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. And I think we're, we're a testament to that. I mean, similarly with the, with the side men boys, like we did a lot of that early communication on zoom, um, WhatsApp, you know, most of, most of the time, actually we, you know, we didn't meet them for quite a while um, in person because obviously we couldn't, <laughs> we, just, we just weren't allowed to. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's one of the, benefits from such an awful awful time in so many ways i think one of the benefits was the shattering of of um i guess preconceived ideas of how businesses should run 
how creativity should work, what people should do, um, that all went. And I think the rule book got re- rewritten um, for the benefit of those who wanted to be nimble, creative, adaptable, and a bit different. And I think that really worked in, in, in our favour, um, as it did for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. W- would you say that you're kind of a futurist in terms of like you're always thinking forward or how do you because you are you come across such like a very your mind's very quick right so <laughs> do you are you always looking for because obviously I think part of your part of most of your job is obviously being creative and being and listening to what's present in the moment and what's, mm. what's trending etc but also thinking in the future do you find that sometimes you're too in the future and you need to find you you personally need to set yourself in the present moment and I'm sure your kids do that for you because you can't be anywhere <laughs> yeah. but there yeah for sure I mean I think I um, I definitely try and stay I think the only way I stay sane is, to, is not actually looking ahead I don't I don't think ahead it's really weird I, I, I think I had to learn in order to maintain a level of peace especially around with, with babies and everything but when things get really busy I don't know how other people deal with it. I don't sort of, my brain doesn't tick in the future. It has to stay <laughs> where, it, where it is or else. Like even, even now, you know, I think the way that I go through days is, is through just, you know, waking up and, and then looking at what I've got today. And okay, cool. Like I've got this thing now, this thing now, this thing now, yeah, rather yeah. than what's my next week, what's the week after or else. I think I would go, I think it would, it would really tip me because, um, yeah. You know, I think it's it's a really it's and it's been great because it means everything flows and you know it's a really interesting um, quote like you know when you when you flip it flip your life from life happening uh, for you rather than happening to you things really start to move and, and flow I think it's absolutely true like life happens for you and if you go with it um, things start to start to work in peace and in in a sense of harmony rather than in and this for me I can speak for myself rather than um, feeling overwhelming anxious. Um, challenging things feel a lot more a lot more peaceful when you're present when I'm present anyway and when I don't um, think ahead so I think actually even in even in uh, in kind of analysis or when I'm looking at like creative solutions and ideas actually a lot of the time it's about instinct and about um, again what works right now at this moment rather than trying to construct what I think will work in the future and so on um because I realize you can't control anything really and I think also this that whole COVID experience proved that <laughs> for so many ways so many ways so true because I, you know people had plans we had plans <laughs> and those plans went so what was what was the work the, the value in that planning um, yeah. It's, yeah it's so fascinating isn't it because you have all these sort of projections within companies and your careers and, and in your life and go okay I want to be doing something like I know I was a big culprit of that when in my younger years going, okay, 25, I want to be here. At 30, I want to be here. Mm. 35, I want to be here. And then financially, you want to be at a certain point or career-wise or person, personally, you want to be in a certain place. And so I think as you get older, maybe potentially that there becomes the the idea of goal setting. There are Maybe there are sort of goals that you want to hit, but they're more fluid. And they're not that so concrete. And they're like, okay, these are just mm. little chapters. And I think... As Kevin, Hart, as Kevin Hart always says, like, what, what does your book say at the end? What is it filled with? And it, it is a chapter, but it's malleable. It's flexible. And I think, I think personally, if you, if you set too many futuristic goals or you're so far in the future, it's such a debt. Oh, for me, it's detriment because you're never really in. Because I always think about, uh, there was someone recently who um, has been diagnosed with um brain cancer recently one mm. of my friends unfortunately and I was I got really I got really emotional um reading uh this because I was just like 
sometimes we get so overwhelmed or so anxious about really big things in our life, but they're not, if you zoom out, they're not really that big because we've actually just woken up. And Mm so I love talking to really ambitious people about like futuristic goals or visions or manifestations and how do you manage that being in the present moment because we're as as people we want as some people we want to do really well with our life and we want to cram everything in because time is very precious but I'm, I'm fascinated with when you're kind of faced with like being human and what that means and actually just waking up and mm-hmm. seeing your partner or seeing your friends um because and also not getting that anxiety from that deal that didn't go through or the thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you wanted to have done in the end of the month, but actually people are fighting sometimes for their lives. And I, it brings me down and makes me more grounded in this sort of, in the world that we're, that we're occupying in. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, yeah, I mean, maybe if I should do do a LinkedIn post on this, actually, I see my team, but it's, um, there's something I mean I have no I have no goals is that really <laughs> I have no no it's, no, it's great it's great I, to I, hear I these things though ever, I honestly don't think I've ever had a goal <laughs> from a career perspective the only one genuinely the only one because I had never started in the world of work was to be a junior creative advice because that was the only thing I knew I, that's the, not even the only thing I knew I didn't know anything else exi- I, as in I didn't know what a job was or what the industry was or how it worked I just knew that that was a role and it was a role that I would like to come out of school and, and one day have because it fit my skill set and everything else. There was, there's, I think since that point, I can tell you right now, there's been no, I've, ha- I've never had a goal. And that's really, and that's probably a bit mad, but I've never had a goal and I've never had a, um, a, a sort of a target even other than just take each day as it comes and try and do the best job that I can today in whatever I'm doing and enjoy it and be at peace with it rather than, Oh, well, in 10 years time, I want to be doing this thing. I could not tell you. When people yeah. say, what do you want to be in five years? If someone asked me what I want to want in five years time, I would have not, just to keep, you know, be at peace, have my, my, my family happy. I mean, I think that's one thing, right? With family, there is, you know, I guess there is, it does change that slight, ever so slightly because your, your goals are more for them. It's more, you know, it's more like to make sure my family are, are happy and stable and driving and the boys doing well and everything else. But my wife is good and stuff. But um, on a personal level, I've, I've really never had a goal. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. It's the first time I've actually thought about that. I don't, and I know when you read those books, oh, you need to set your five-year plan. Your team. I just don't, I don't buy it. It's never, it's never a appeal to me to live in, in to live and try and control life which is not in your control by definition it's life i mean yes the only the only thing you can control is your reactions that's the only yeah exactly things happen things happen in your life and what defines one what defines you and what defines me is how we react to those things and move with those things not how we try and shape those things because we can't shape those things things have already happened to us or will happen to us and what may happen today tomorrow we don't know so i think that is that realization sets immense amount of peace for me and always has done really since I sort of made that switch I'd say about three four years ago um to being a lot less anxious about everything based on that sense of realizing that things were happening for me and not to me and that always stuck with me that that, that idea and I think it's it's kept me happy throughout all this whole experience of, of working for the last seven years um because it hasn't placed any undue pressure and actually then I'm, I'm able to actually do my job without thinking too much because I think that's the other thing you know we think so much and I definitely had that for so so such a long time in my life where I was I was quite anxious and overthinking about a lot of things and you know to be able to 
to be able to get to the point where I could almost turn that off and be quiet and be still. And that took a, took a minute, but that, um, that set the foundation then for when things really started to move because I could just focus on what I was doing rather than thinking about everything else, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what made, what made you sort of like when you know, like becoming self-aware about what you were feeling and what you were, you were experiencing. Cause I think mm. I talk, I talk a lot of people about self-awareness, right? So yeah, th- there's, there's such a degree of what self-awareness is. Right. And so people can go, it could be self-aware of going, okay, I, I can feel that I'm anxious or I'm being triggered or, I know that I'm, I've said something, which I didn't mean to do it. And it's maybe projection or mm. when, you, when you accidentally gaslight someone, but some people just don't know that they're doing these things. And so I'm <laughs> yeah, so fascinated with like the degree of like self-awareness and, and our self-improvement. So I'm, I'm fascinated with you. 100%. Like, where, where did that come into? I would say without a doubt, my wife. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> because, and, and who was my, my girlfriend at the time. So we've been together now for five, we've been nearly married three years. Something like that. I can't remember. Between, I must be sorry. I can't remember. Of course, I can't remember. Twenty nineteen. So um, twenty twenty. Yeah. So three years. And then um, three years this May. And um, but we were together for like five. We've been together for like five years. But for sure, I think living with somebody, we spent you know we spent a lot of time with each other naturally, and we've had two babies with each other, and you know she's amazing. But the the most I think the most important thing about and it's partly why I think I was I was so keen to get married and do all of this young because it you know it was it's the mirror and <laughs> it's the mirror that having somebody so close to you holds up that mirror that just that is a pure reflection where you see all the bad things about yourself you see yourself in in a true light because you have that light reflected by somebody who is willing to call you out on that stuff or somebody's willing to to kind of pull up behaviors that are subconscious which you might not even know you're doing like all the things you said which we're all, we're all guilty of. I'm obviously 100% guilty of all those things. Holding up a mirror to that um, is absolutely essential. And I think without that scrutiny, which I think is one of the most fruitful and amazing things about being married and about being in a relationship, people ask, you know, I was got married at 21. Um, and so that, for a lot of people, is like, that's crazy. But for me, it's it's been the bedrock of stability <laughs> because it's it's you know having that constant scrutiny for all the terrible things about myself which are which are real like in reality you know we all have a lot of problems and flaws by definition we're human and I think because of that having that constant it means that I can see those things because it's really difficult to when you're on your own and you're dealing with the pressures of especially being single and living life you know as we do especially when we're young and you know 18 19 so on in those times it's really difficult never mind when you're older I'd have to haven't experienced that but it's really difficult to to see yourself it always is that's just one of those things in life even when it comes to management right I think one of the the biggest things about being a talent manager having seen so many at YMU and also managing talent now is is it's really it's it's, it's easy enough or it's, it's somewhat easy to opine on somebody else it's very difficult when you actually flip that lens and even now when I yeah. do things like you know work have a team who supports on on like personal branding and positioning or PR whatever it might be whenever you have those conversations about yourself it's really difficult like you really realize you don't it's so hard to put that lens on, on yourself and to be honest because we by definition have our biases and our filters and when you're with someone who's constantly there to to show yourself good and bad um, and to hold that reflection up it, it is life-changing because you see yourself for who you really are good and bad um and a lot of that for all of us is pretty bad and so you need to have that and it's really easy I think to delude oneself into thinking that um I'll speak again for myself that 
that you know you're great and everything's amazing when actually you know you need to have scrutiny and I think that's the thing that helps has helped me massively to learn how to to um to be peaceful but also to to be better because it's, it's you can't know I, I've never I, I think it the most important thing for me to to improve myself and to actually grow as a person and to mature is to have somebody who is there to hold that mirror up um otherwise I don't know what what needs to improve you know yeah you, you can even have that via like a best friend or a, a partner but 100%. Also, like a life coach we had we had someone on recently called suzanne who's a transformational life coach and she basically talks mm. to you about all the kind of imposter syndromes anxieties yeah. like what you want yeah. to do and that sort of thing and i think it's really important to have someone whoever that may be to hold up that mirror, that mirror. and yeah. have that, and have that soundboard because exactly we, we can all therapize ourselves i mean not everyone can yeah. but <laughs> if you are self-aware enough but it's just a lot easier to speak it out loud to someone exactly 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 and yeah you know, and, and but it's lovely that you had you found that person so early on in your, mm. in your in your life as well and also you can share your journey as you move mm. up into wherever you go into in the next couple 10 5 to 10 15 years as well mm. yeah 100 percent, 100 um yeah it's definitely been i think it was something that yeah i speak to a lot of people and have a lot of friends who couldn't imagine doing it so like getting married so young having children so young and I think you know I'm very also very fortunate um that I was able to through James Grant through Wyoming through Roundabout to be in a pretty stable position financially and everything else to be able to not have the anxiety and the stress which is so endemic of so many people especially my age who just are trying to make it work in these crazy times with everything's exceptionally expensive and job prospects are getting worse and worse in so many ways you know coming out with student debt and misaligned expectations and feeling disappointment and all of that um and thankfully you know I, I didn't have that from uni I didn't have that thing where I, I left I went to uni studied for five four years five years um came out in debt and back at square one again which so, so many people yeah. um have sadly and that on top of the reality of living in London and the costs of things which are astronomical and everyone knows when they become and they realize like the price of life in, in especially in London and in in um in this time for so many people it's 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 crazy and you know I think having that stability meant that I could think about things like family and all of that a lot more easily because I didn't have those pressures in the same way that I did when I was 18 or so on yeah. so yeah you would, know, you, would you would you easy. still be an advocate of someone going to university even though you didn't like I'm quite no honest. no oh no if there's one if there's one issue that I'm very bullish on and I I struggle to have any real in this space. I can only speak for the space I know, which is creative, marketing, social, yeah, yeah. etc. Um, I can't speak for every other space, and obviously it, it'd be silly to. Um, and I know for a lot of um, professions, creative and all that, it, it feels like sometimes it's everything. So it's, it's a tiny slither of of what people do, of course. I have a lot of respect for obviously the institution in so many ways. In this space, however, it's a complete waste of time. And I think for so many people, so I've never seen somebody go through uni who wants to be in this space go through any degree, whatever it might be, and come out better than when they started. Not a single person, not a single person. Um, for so many reasons. When I was at Lab Bible, you know, in 2016, I was I was traveling around different unis, had loads of friends who were at uni and stuff. So I got to see like, you know, about five or six different unis and I was sort of rotating around them. And, you know, do you just see that it's, it's not good? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's, I think, an institution that is so back so behind the curve of what's relevant in so many capacities um especially in, again in this space where people go through it and they don't 
they don't come up with anything practical often. Again, I'm making these generalizations. Of course, it's not, there are exceptions, but so many people I know come up with very little practical skills. They don't know how the world of work really works. They, they come up with an expectation that they should be here <laughs> over, I can't see my hands, but far away, they must be, should be much further along because of the degree they've had, which they have been told will happen and it doesn't happen, especially in this space. I've never seen anybody hired off the basis of their degree. I've never seen anybody hired off the basis of their grade. Um, rather no, you never, get hired. Never, I've never even heard of, I've never even had that experience. I've <laughs> right. never even heard of it. It's like, oh, you, so would you get a uni? You know, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally the bottom of a degree for a, re- a bottom of a CV, sorry, for a reason. And nobody, I've ever seen anybody, I've, I've never seen anybody check or look or care. Um, what matters is what you do practically. And I think the biggest thing as well is like time, as you said, time is precious, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think one of the best things, I'm obviously so grateful for, for Vice and for the guys there for giving me the, the way out because it um it gave me time more than anything it meant that I could start at 18 rather than starting at 22 um and it gave me you know now I've been doing this for about seven years um which is kind of a decent amount of time obviously it's not that long but it's a decent amount of time um being 24 now and 20 yeah 25 this year um whereas for so many people I know you know they're coming out and having to start that whole journey again uh, well, not again, they have to start for the first time at 25, 20, 24, sometimes even 26 if they do masters and other things. Um, so I think for me, it's it, the whole system is completely misaligned with the reality, reality of the industry. Um, so many parents, of course, it's challenging for people when they've, when they've got pressures of family and they've got pressures of teachers and everything, telling them, thinking in the best intentions often that it is the right thing to do when in reality they, they have to learn the hard way, which, they come, which is that they come out they're on a very low salary coming out of uni, often at a company which doesn't obviously value them because they've never done anything to prove their worth and their value at uni. Um, and they're struggling and it takes a long time for people to find their feet. And it's no surprise that my generation, especially now, um, has such a large degree of anxiety, depression, mental health problems because people are coming out of these hotbeds of, um, of uh, how should I say it, uh, behaviors that are conducive to those problems <laughs> let's just put it put it that way whether it's drinking drugs partying etc um as well as going into the world the, the world without the skills necessary to really survive and, and thrive and, and that's a real challenge for so many people so i'm no it's an issue that i'm very passionate about obviously having dropped out having seen hundreds of people hundreds of people and not, i cannot think of a single think of a single one who came out better off than when they started. And that is, I wish that wasn't the case, of course, but it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Well, as we round up our episode, I mean, this episode could go on for a lot, lot longer. But, um, <laughs> we'll do a part two, if you yeah, want me. Yeah, part two. Um, we'd love to do give backs with our guests. So I know we've touched upon loads of different points, but what would you give mm. back, maybe to your younger self or someone else in the audience that you would probably love to know about? Um, whether it could be advice, could be a, painting could be a book that you read could be a person that you met anything you would give back oh that's a good question it's a very good question I think um advice I'll get I'll give some advice which you know I was speaking to somebody yesterday who you know is maybe a couple a few years younger than me went to my school we were talking about life and everything else I'm saying you know the I, I say this to myself again just start mm. <laughs> just start I think it is he even said it he said you know and it goes back to the point around uni and everything it's it's delaying the inevitable which is that you're going to have to start eventually but and he said that he went to uni he spent a lot of time there and he said it's delaying the inevitable for so many people and I think 
the biggest thing that I'm grateful for is that I got the opportunity through Adam and Ben and Ian at Vice to start as soon as I could. Um, and whatever that means, whether it's, you know, I want to be a presenter, okay, we'll start a podcast, you know, or I want to be a social media manager, okay, we'll then start a page, or I want to, you know, write for X channel, oh, well, okay, I'll start a blog, you know, whatever it might be, it's, it's just starting. Um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, who obviously is loved and hated in probably equal measure, but I have a lot of respect and 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 love for some of his messages. Um, I remember some one thing that he, when he was doing his personal branding blast in like 2017, when I was doing Roundabout and the daily vlogs and, and all of that, um, one thing he always said, and it stuck with me, was, was the principle of one is better than zero, right? Like one is always better than zero. Actually having one follower, one play, one, like whatever it might be, is better than having none. Um, having one thing out is better than having none. It's something again that stuck with me constantly. Um, and I think it's something that I would say to 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 my younger self or to other people who are struggling or overthinking or worrying about the future. It's just start, just get on with something. Um, because you'll learn more through doing than you will through thinking. Again, back to that initial point um that we were talking about. And I really believe in that. Um, and I think it's something which I hope more people can realize that starting whatever capacity that means will get you much further ahead um than anything else and and the good thing is again through the whole piece around lockdown as well going back into that you know the tools are there uh, and the rules are being re- rewritten because culture shifted so dramatically that you have the chance to start now doing something more than ever before everyone who has a phone can start an instagram account can start a tiktok which is obviously you know the one right now can start and they, you, we all can do something um so yeah that would be my advice that'd be my gift back is just to start and also look if anybody listening to this um wants any support I'm always something I always want to do as well as that is is be there for people who sometimes just need to need a bit of advice or need some kind of yeah some kind of support because it's hard um and I'm, I'm always here for people if, if people want a message or email or, or you know what's that whatever it is um sometimes people just need someone else to tell them to start <laughs> before they can get going yeah um, I mean, to give they, them a few points they need that sometimes that reassurance that yeah it's okay to start a tiktok exactly <laughs> exactly just do it yeah exactly and you'll find exactly. your audience though I I, I I meet the most amazing people who have these crazy careers in these really strange places and i'm just like and i and i believe that there's an audience for everything right if you there's 100%. an audience for everything and i get i get um the i find I, yeah i find myself in these, these situations and it's just like i didn't even believe there would be an audience for that but some, somehow there is and these people <laughs> yeah. are making a lot of money and doing and do amazing things and i'm like so even if it is like the guy on tiktok who's the train guy i don't know what, what yeah his, francis. francis yeah him like i mean there's an audience for it i mean do you know what i mean train yeah. or whatever it is so like just do it just do whatever and you find 100 and I'll, add, I'll add one more point onto that which i think is key in terms of finding is that you or one has a completely unique value i think i speak to so many people and they and they doubt themselves and they say oh i can't do this i can't do that what makes me special and i think well you make yourself special because you your taste your personality you know your upbringing your cultural references and touch points all of that will be completely 100 unique to you mm. and so because of that if you have confidence in it and you back it and you know you know yourself and you know what you like and you know what you represent culturally and who you are within the space you carry with yourself a completely unique viewpoint and value. And I think that is something that people don't often, I think, think about. Um, that you, as you, know, there's no other you. 
So regardless yeah. of, well, I haven't got the skills, I haven't got this. Well, yeah, but you are completely unique and you are yourself. And therefore you bring something to the table if you know what that is. And that's, a, I think also going back to that self-awareness piece, if you can know what that is, it's a real superpower because you realize, hang on, I don't have to keep looking for, you know, or, or trying to turn myself into something else in order to, to, to add value. Actually, I add value just by my very <laughs> being who yeah. I am. Yeah. what I represent and by being me and I think that comes to the point of the niche Francis for example Amelia de Moldenberg who obviously had the pleasure and privilege of working with for, for many years or Amunia Chihuahua whoever it might be people who are now flying and killing it they had a real conviction that them their personality their humor their um just them as people was their advantage was their their USP and it, and that's exactly it and because of that and because of that conviction now they're flying um you know, exactly as you said, there is an audience for everything and there's an audience for everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. I'm, I'm very, very pleased that we made this happen. Um, and I just, just an awe of you and your self-awareness and the way that your brain works. It's, it's fascinating. That's oh, what I love about you. doing the podcast. <laughs> it's meeting brilliant people and jumping into their minds as well. And, and also giving impact to other people who are listening in who who are finding their way as well so thank you very much for coming on 360 oh mate thank you um anytime if you want to do a part two whenever just let me know always it's been a it's always been a pleasure you. talking to you been thank you so much about. you have been 360 thank you very much thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests please subscribe to our podcast access all our amazing episodes we're released every sunday at 12 o'clock We're available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at JamieNealJM. If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself.